there, it's Amy. Welcome to ChirpCast, encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. I thought it would be interesting today to take a look at the book of Zephaniah. This little book is a collection of poems and sort of a storytelling of sorts of what was happening with Jerusalem. This is probably a book that you may have skipped over or never even thought about reading. It's a small book sort of tucked away, and it doesn't really get the publicity that a lot of books get, like Genesis, Psalms, Proverbs, um, even the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they kind of get the highlight sometimes because they're a little bit easier to read unless you're a history buff. One, I do love history and I like to learn new things. So I thought it would be interesting. This book, Zephaniah, was in the final decades of the southern kingdom of Jerusalem and they had a king who His name was King Josiah, and he was trying really hard to get the people to put away their idol worship and to start really worshiping the one true God. And so he was trying to get these people to kind of obey and work with him, but he ended up dying a very tragic death um, and kind of stirring up some issues with Babylon. There is Zephaniah. And he's kind of been watching all of this craziness go on within Jerusalem. And he has been warning them, like, the day of the Lord is coming, (laughs) judgment is imminent, and the people are not listening. They're being very wicked. They have a lot of idol worship going on. They've adopted um, practices of other people around them, other nations. And God is getting really frustrated because... He has shown up time and time and time again with these people in Jerusalem, and they're kind of just still doing their own thing. This is such a theme that runs through humanity, I would say, not just the nation of Israel, but this is this is a human problem. You know, God steps in and saves us, and we go out and do stupid things all over again. So this is a book not only of judgment, but I would say definitely of speaking to God's incredible love for people, for his creation, and how he wants to reconcile us to him. We'll go through this pretty quick. If you look at the beginning of the book, it talks about judgment on Jerusalem, and it's kind of got a little bit of an apocalyptic feel to it. I would say the armies are kind of coming around. There's a lot of disorder. Things are not being great. Things are not going good. And Zephaniah doesn't exactly say who this apocalyptic army is, but most likely it's Babylon because King Josiah had stirred up some issues with this nation of Babylon and this group of people was like, we're done with you. So we kind of want to highlight God's role in this whole thing, not so much the doom and gloom and darkness that's sort of coming along. But um, in Zephaniah 2, verses 1 through 3, there's this hope that sort of shows up. And it's kind of like God saying that if there is a group of people and they would be the remnant, these would be the people that are going to worship him. And they're going to be the ones who are kind of going to help rebuild what's going on here. And so Zephaniah 2, 1 through 3 says, Gather together, yes, gather together you 
Shameless nation, gather before judgment begins, before your time to repent is blown away like chaff. Act now, before the fierce fury of the Lord falls, and the terrible day of the Lord's anger begins. Seek the Lord, all who are humble, and follow his commands. Seek to do what is right, and to live humbly. Perhaps even yet, the Lord will protect you, protect you from his anger on that day of destruction. So these people, God's calling them. He's saying, you know, hey, if you will just get together, if you will be the obedient few, then, you know, I will protect you and your my anger will not be poured out as severely on you if you will just repent. And so God's calling them to repent, just like he calls us to repent. Whenever we start to do things and go kind of sideways in life, he's always calling us back. He never says, that's enough, you've gone too far. He says, that's enough, you've gone too far, now turn around and come back. So then we continue on in Zephaniah chapter 2, and this is basically where judgment of the nations, the surrounding nations, and Jerusalem, again, um, God talks about them. And so he sort of has these accusations against the other groups that are around, um, like the Ammonites, the Assyrians, the Moabites, the Philistines. And so even Babylon, he's like, things are going to happen and it's not going to be good for you if you continue on your path of destruction. There's one point where in verse 3, chapter 2, where he even says, God is saying he doesn't even recognize his own people anymore. I don't know if you've had times in your life where you've looked in the mirror and maybe you felt like you didn't even recognize the person you were looking at. You didn't recognize yourself. You didn't recognize who you had become. And, you know, maybe to other people, they look at you from the outside and they're like, oh, it's the it's the same old Amy that everybody knows, you know. And yet there were times when I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, if only you knew what was going on in my head and in my heart, it would just be very scary and a very ugly picture. I mean, can you imagine if the ugliness inside sometimes really reflected on the outside? For some people, their actions show an outward change, but it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes the actions on the inside don't necessarily reflect on the outside. And so people assume things are business as usual. But at this point, God is saying he doesn't even recognize his own people. They have strayed so far from him and they are wicked. God says in chapter 3, verse 8, he says, My decision is to gather all the nations and pour out my burning indignation. And a lot of times when we think about fire, and for us living, if you live in California, I live in California, um, you cannot turn on the news without hearing about fire. And when we think fire, the first thing for me that comes to mind is utter destruction. Houses are being burnt down. I saw uh, an image the other day on the news and it was, I don't know, it just kind of struck me. And it was, all you could see was the shadow of a house and a car. And the flames were just engulfing these things. Like you couldn't even hardly see them. You could only see the shadows and make out what they were. And so when we think about fire, we think destruction, like (laughs) devastation. And in this sense, God talking about he was going to pour out his burning indignation. It wasn't about destruction. He was talking about purification, trial by fire to where you burn away the imperfections and then what is left. So then we get to 
chapter three, and it starts talking about something that seems so, I guess, counterintuitive to everything else we've just read in chapter one and two. He starts talking about hope, and it wasn't just hope for just Jerusalem. He was talking about hope for the nations, for all of them. In verse nine of chapter three, God is saying, I will purify the lips of the nations so they can call on the Lord. I have had seasons in my life where God has really had to just kind of purify my thoughts, um, my desires, because not necessarily were they the worst and I was, you know, planning murder, (laughs) but sometimes I just have to be put back on course. And purification has a lot to do with cleansing. And so when God is saying he wants to purify the lips of the nation so that they can call on the Lord, he is calling for us today to be purified by fire, by his holy fire, not so that he can point at us and say, look at all the bad things you've done, but because God wants to restore. And in chapter three, starting in verse 11, going all the way to verse 20, God is actually talking about restoring Jerusalem. And he says that they should sing and they should worship. He's telling people that they need to be restored, but they can do this through worshiping the Lord. And so he says in verse 11, on that day, you will no longer need to be ashamed for you will no longer be rebels against me. I will remove all proud and arrogant people from among you. There will be no more haughtiness on my holy mountain. In verse 14, he says, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will dispense the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last, your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. You know, God wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live in joy and peace. He didn't create us so that he could just teach us a bunch of lessons and punish us for our whole entire lives. He wants us to be called to purification, to repentance, to peace but also through justice and into love. And he wants us to be able to grow, to flourish um, in safety and peace. And so there's another portion where he says in verse 17, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. His love will calm all your fears. What are you afraid of today? What is it that just sort of messes with your mojo, kind of racks your heart and your mind, um, the fear of the unknown, of stepping into the future, of what life will look like a year from now, six months from now, you know, is this pandemic ever going to end? There are so many things that we can allow to grip our hearts and our minds. To somehow think that God is surprised by the things that happen, that when we feel like it's nothing but destruction and failure, God is there to say, you know what, if you will be restored back to me, then I will keep you safe. I will calm all your fears. I pray that you were encouraged today and 
knowing that purification leads to repentance, which leads to peace. One more thing before you go, you can follow me at ChirpCastAmy on Instagram, or you can buy my new book that just came out. It's called Chased by Grace on Amazon. I would love for you to read it, to be encouraged at your own pace, and to know that you are loved. I'll catch you next time. Thank you.